Welcome back to Those Happy Places, the podcast that treats theme parks, rides, and attractions like literature. I'm Buddy Duquesne. And I'm Alice White. And today we'll be taking a look at one of our favorite rides that's about to go the way of the dinosaur. That is, figuratively, not literally. Uh, I mean, it always has literally gone the way of the dinosaur, hasn't it, Buddy? We're talking, of course, of Jurassic Park the Ride, also known as Jurassic Park River Adventure. <laughs> you know, that's a that's a fair point, Alice. This uh, this ride is is very dinosaur centric, I would say. Uh, Land of the Dinosaurs. Um, beautiful homage to the film by the same name, Jurassic Park. Um, and th- this ride has a lot of uh, importance to us personally, doesn't it? Uh, that's right. I think we might have mentioned this on a, on a previous podcast, but um, we w- <laughs> we once rode Jurassic Park, the ride, nine times in one day back in the early 2010s. Uh, maybe. Nine, nine times, I, I think, uh, consecutively, which is more impressive, like without stopping even once to do anything else. That's true. They did make us exit the ride each time, but each time... I believe believe that's because there's, like, a designated, like, you-must-get-off-here area. They wanted us to look at our photo, I think is what it was. (laughs) But then we would just run through the gift shop and run back around and get right back on the ride because it was, like, October and no one else was there. No one's riding a water park in October. A water ride. It wasn't even that... um, particularly uh cold that day i don't remember it being cold no it Um, wasn't cold it was just way the off season it was just yeah very much the off season so there was no crowd and i don't believe that's a thing that will ever happen again at least not for quite some time um this idea of of a really off season day and this ride being kind of at the end of its life cycle and not very popular uh it, it may it may never repeat that's a special experience that that we always get to uh hold with us i think which is cool yeah it was a really fun day and with really good friends we we're you know fresh out of high school and being uh being crazy were we in <laughs> high school I, i'm um, not sure what it, it, we we must have been in high school at the time and it just it was such a it was such a good day at the park and and you're right. I don't think that kind of thing can be experienced again. Not at Universal. Definitely not at Disney. Now that these theme parks are getting so, I think, so good at at finding exactly what's popular and really at constantly updating and constantly advancing. Um, yeah, to, kind of to, harnessing the uh, harnessing the hype machine of right. that. Uh, to where to where they're always novel and exciting and people always want to be at them. Exactly. Universal Studios used to be the not very populated theme park. When we were kids, no one went to Universal Studios. Well, because there wasn't much to do there. There wasn't much new to do there. Ah. And, and because they had had the same rides for so long with very, very few updates and IPs that we did not care about as children. Like the... Uh, do you remember when they had a whole? It, this is a uh, Universal Studios Hollywood, of course. I want to want to clarify to our listeners. Uh, yes, Universal those of Studios you in Hollywood. Orlando, we have we have long had a very different experience with our Universal Studios. Universal Studios was smaller, and they focused on on yeah on strange IP choices. Like, do you remember the uh, Flintstones themed like carnival game section? Viva Rock Vegas, the f- ill-fated <laughs> sequel to the Flintstones movie, which in itself was kind of a time capsule of the 90s. Um, the Viva Rock Vegas uh, arcade, I guess, or something like that. It was, it, was a, it, was, it was an entire themed area. One restaurant, five carnival games, all bedrock themed. And the, But the carnival games were all pay to play. None of it was like, oh, look at this cool ride you can ride for, for free with your entry ticket. It was just a, an, an area for carnival games that we just used to get from one part of the park to the other. It yeah, was like a very shortcut. much just a shortcut. <laughs> um, and that's that's so sad. Uh, now it is not that. No, now it is they they changed that part of the upper lot 
to uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. It's it, it, they found they realized that they had a much stronger IP and could could use that to bring in people. And now Universal Studios is so crowded all the time, just like Disneyland. Disneyland does the same thing. They're constantly updating, uh, you know, from bringing in Cars Land to changing the Tower of Terror to Guardians of the Galaxy to just to the new Star Wars Land, Galaxy's Edge and and Marvel Land. Like it's a constant updating to keep up with trends, which is happening, I think, at a faster rate than we've seen in decades past. Yeah, in some ways, things feel a lot less permanent. Um, And and it's funny that you should mention um, the the uh, kind of focus on strange IPs, right? We've got the Revenge of the Mummy, the ride. I mean, nobody remembers <laughs> the Revenge of the Mummy very fondly. I really do like the the first film, but Revenge of the Mummy with um, with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but really badly CG'd as the Scorpion King because at the time he was tied in as the Scorpion King in another film. <laughs> it's all, yeah, they chose, so they made a, 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 a pretty good roller coaster based on an IP of a film that did not last. No, same, it d- did not same stick thing around. With uh water world. Oh man. The, the water show, world the show that show. is so much better than the film that it's based off of. I and so much more lasting. The water world wet and smoky stunt show. It's so good. It's, it's so such good. a good, it's such a good show and will stand the test of time much longer than the movie will. Universal, yeah, has put its focus on, and you could see it too in the in the tram ride, where they've got a whole section of the tram ride dedicated to um, the special effects from the movie Earthquake, which came out so long ago that people don't realize that that section of the tram ride is dedicated to a film. They yeah, just for think, the longest time, I thought it was just an earthquake demonstration. No, <laughs> but it's literally based off of the film Earthquake. And and the, and their dedication to keeping this set alive for Whoville, for, um, f- you know, for the live action Halligrin Stole Christmas, which, you know, I still probably watch every other year or so, but it's not like... It's not like a, a beloved all-time Christmas film. No, and it's it, it's going to be replaced by a uh, an animated version this year. So it, it'll be. It's strange to me the way that Universal holds on to pieces of its history uh, that maybe are not so beloved, not so well liked. Um, but the you know the Jurassic Park ride and and this river adventure, as it were, um, it. It is attached to something that is truly a classic. A truly a classic, which when uh, when the ride was developed alongside the film, I, I, I discovered this on our research for this episode, the ride and the film were being developed at the same time. So the ride was only released three years after the film was. The film was released in 1993. The ride uh, was open to the public in 1996. And Jurassic Park, the movie was still at that time the highest grossing film of all time. It was the most commercially successful film uh, until Titanic came out in 97, 97, 98. And um, so this was a hugely successful IP for Universal and they capitalized on it right away. And it was still an iconic and, and popular ride Sure, maybe not so much in the off-season because of the the water features, uh, but it was still so, like, so important to the, um, to advertising and theming and stuff of of the whole, the whole theme park until just a couple months ago. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was announced that there would be a, uh, a major refurbishment that would include a re-theming of this ride from Jurassic Park to Jurassic World, um, which, when I think about it, Alice, does not sound like that huge of a deal. It's not as dramatic as it's been made out to be. I think when I first heard they were closing Jurassic, I thought they were literally shutting the ride down altogether, and I was devastated. 
It's like, this ride is so fun and it's so iconic. And what on earth would you want to put in that space other than the Jurassic Park ride? Because even though it's old, even though the, the ride, you know, opened in 1996, it's still, it's still good. It's still an icon. It's still thrilling. Like, why would you want to shut? To find out that they were just reskinning it and that maybe keeping the same the same structure like we don't know we don't know if they're keeping the same structure if they're going to change the the type of ride it is we just know that it is not going to be jurassic park anymore it's now jurassic world i do believe i've seen some of the uh the in progress photos uh so so the t-rex will no longer be a t-rex it'll be indominus rex which is a is a made-up dinosaur from the Jurassic World series that is not good, but um, well, it's, I, I would say not not nearly as iconic as the as the Tyrannosaurus Rex, right? Uh, doesn't doesn't have that same panache, that same style. Um, I agree. And so so things like that, I think they're they're going to be kind of going over everything. This is not to say that this ride is without the need for a major refurbishment um it it is it is weird in some ways uh particularly the way some of the animatronics act um and then the way that sometimes things break down or don't really um communicate effectively what's happening the falling Um, car effect hasn't worked in like eight years maybe <laughs> uh, and, and the sparks that are supposed to come off of it you know I could imagine that being very difficult to maintain very expensive um, so anyways we, we we're talking about Jurassic Park in a way um, Jurassic Park the ride that is uh, because it's got this really unique relationship uh, to the film uh, in that it was developed in tandem with this movie that I guess was a guaranteed success. It seems to me like they knew what they had. It was so much a guaranteed success that that Steven Spielberg fought three other studios to buy the rights, the film rights to the book before the book had even dropped. Like... They, he paid $1.5 million for the rights to make the book into a film, but the book had not yet been released. He just trusted Michael Crichton that much and and trusted that that this would... So he, he automatically... He already knew they wanted to make a film, and I guess Universal also just went, yeah, cool, time to make a ride also at the same time before the there was even was a book. Developed. Right. That's that's insane. That, that level of foresight, because as we were talking about before, it has not been clear to Universal what they should focus on um, <laughs> ever. Um, it, what's so impressive is that they've managed to they managed to uh, line up this property that hadn't even started to enter the public consciousness yet, but it it became a huge hit as a book. It became a huger hit as a film. And lucky us that they were already working on this connected ride that would that would kind of complete the uh, the experience. It would invite you to visit a piece of Jurassic Park, which Alice, I don't think is a thing that <laughs> happened anywhere else where where somebody was like oh my god this thing's coming up we can make a ride out of it it's going to be great people are always going to love it uh to the point where they're not replacing it they're refurbishing it because the the franchise is still thriving i mean you know quality of the film's notwithstanding money wise uh incredibly thriving right it is the the any film that comes out with the jurassic park or jurassic world IP attached to it is a guaranteed success. People are just still that into the idea of dinosaurs and theme parks, I suppose. Dinosaur theme parks. Which I would go to, for the record. Uh, You would visit Jurassic Park if it were a real thing? Of course I would. Of course I would. Even if, what if the the events of Jurassic Park, the movie, are a documentary? Uh, It's like a real thing that actually happened. 
Would so, you still go to it? So and they, I was, like, they still reopened. So I was living in the world of Jurassic World, where so so I walk into Jurassic World knowing that because th- that's canon in the Jurassic World film that Jurassic Park used to be a thing and they right, failed, it but now it's better. Uh, yeah, I would. You'd still go. Go, of course I would. <laughs> Because, um, yeah, the whole breaking down of the of the park security system and, and you know, the Indominus Rex or whatever getting loose, that happened like one time. But that had been a thriving theme park for it. That was not opening day we were seeing. No, it had been open true. for a while. So In like Jurassic Park, you weren't seeing opening day. You were seeing months before opening day. Right. So they had, time. they had time to fix it. <laughs> They didn't, Alice. It became a volcano. <laughs> didn't you see the trailer for the second Jurassic World movie? I saw it. It became a volcano, Alice. Oh, <laughs> bummer. <laughs> I still would have gone. I would have. I would have bid to be there opening day of Jurassic World. Right. Yeah. That's just That's... who I am as a person. Now you know me. <laughs> <laughs> I would have avoided it a lot because I don't know if you saw the trailer for the first movie, Alice, but people got picked up and killed by pterodactyls. I, and that's I, saw, the, my... I saw the movie. I didn't need to see it. I actually did see Jurassic World in, in theaters, <laughs> the first one. Yeah. And, um, and, and the only thing I remember very clearly about that scene where the pterodactyls are picking people up um, is Jimmy Buffett running away, <laughs> double With fisting margaritas. margaritas. <laughs> it's very good. It's- <laughs> it is. It is very good. So all of this is to say that Jurassic Park was part of a calculated uh, transmedia empire. And transmedia is kind of our word of the day. So start that word of the day music. <laughs> uh, trans- <laughs> transmedia refers to... Uh, okay, so, so Jurassic Park is this film that was so big that it reached beyond being simply an adaptation of a novel, of a popular novel. Uh, it... it branched out into a multi-layered, multimedia, uh, multifaceted kind of behemoth, a thing that could not be stopped. I mean, not only was this the most successful film ever made in a box office sense, but it also included a slew of merchandise and video games and do you remember that arcade game from the Chuck E. Cheese of that, course uh, I do that had the rumble seat so it was like you were in the jeep the whole time that um, was the best one it was the best and it spawned of course a sequel novel and sequel films and on top of it all I, uh, the thing that I think is like the coup de grace the, the most impressive thing to come out of it all is this theme park ride uh, because transmedia is about, um, it's a term that refers to a process where, and I'm quoting here, uh, integral elements of fiction get dispersed systematically across multiple delivery channels for the purpose of creating a unified and coordinated entertainment experience. Ideally, each medium makes its own unique contribution to the unfolding of the story. So, uh in Jurassic Park the book you have a kind of slow burn thriller that is very scientifically minded and talks a lot about uh the nature of uh chaos and trying to control things that you don't understand the film takes it in a different direction kind of makes it more of a uh not schlocky but yeah kind of schlocky horror <laughs> flick uh, about running from dinosaurs and then we kind of downplay those themes of not understanding um, things beyond our control and the, and the chaos inherent in that. Um, and then the video games are more run and gun, shoot dinosaurs types of things. Um, so those are more action-y. They bring a different uh, contribution to the unfolding of the story. And I think what's amazing about Jurassic Park's River Adventure is that it is canon to Jurassic Park the film and also that it has this unique way of bringing our uh, our expectations of 
living in the universe of Jurassic Park to life because Jurassic Park is a theme park and you can visit this theme park, at least in part, right there in Hollywood or Orlando. Um, So and as well as uh, Osaka, Japan, Universal Studios Osaka. Uh, Now, my definition of transmedia came from Henry Jenkins, who is a professor of journalism, communication and cinematic arts at USC. And I think that uh, the important thing to note about transmedia is that it was coined in the early 2000s to refer to uh, the early influence of digital media, uh, such as websites or streaming video and other things like that, that allowed studios to kind of trickle out information and add a smaller little stories to be kind of ancillaries to the major films or game releases. Um, But lately we've kind of broadened the term transmedia to mean anytime the storytelling is done beyond a singular form of a text where just watching the movie isn't the complete experience. And I would argue that just watching Jurassic Park, the movie is kind of incomplete without writing the Jurassic Park River Adventure um, at any of the places it exists. I think it completes the story to be drawn in and to be part of the breakdown of this theme park. I um, I agree. I think I I think that the I think that what you're what you're saying is that the parts of the of media like Jurassic Park the film can be complete on its own but when added to in various transmedia other like other media um expands and improves upon the story to the point where it's no it's it's like better now that there's more to it or that there's or or just more more fully complete right i would i would i would describe it not as an extension which is like what a sequel might do it might extend the story Mm -hmm. it might keep telling it uh in the in the same direction i would describe it as an expansion okay where the story is is still being told that same story is still being told but kind of from a different perspective or through a different lens and uh i think that's what the theme park ride provides that say a sequel to the film or a reboot to the film uh, doesn't necessarily do okay. Uh, so it it uh, by virtue of being a different kind of media uh, that is also telling this story, um, but not the same story, just kind of a different side of that story. It uh, expands the scope. It makes it more knowable. It adds details and information that are useful and exciting to an audience. Right. And I think that's what makes it transmedia. Okay, yeah, I, I I agree, and 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 that was super, I think, intentional. Uh, when I doing doing research for this episode, while while you were doing all the hard stuff, I found the archive of the original promotional page uh, website for Jurassic Park: The Ride from uh, 1996. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's still you could find it on the on the Wayback Machine. It still looks exactly <laughs> the same. Um, and but it says here in under the experience here when when they're you know promoting they say you know get ready for this ultimate water adventure. Uh, you know, quote guests experience up close encounters with lifelike gargantuan dinosaurs towering as tall as five story buildings and moving to within inches of their astonished faces guests board tour boats to cruise into the living breathing three-dimensional world of jurassic park it's literally what you were saying exactly the intention of this ride was to pull people in say here you are actually part of the park jurassic park not just oh you're riding a ride that is similar to Jurassic Park. They're, they're saying, welcome to Jurassic Park. They open the big gates. You're, you're being, you're, you get narration, like, like you're experiencing being in the theme park. Yeah. There, there are things about the ride that are, um, 
kind of direct nods to the film, I would say, that, that are about making you feel the way that the film made you feel, such as the opening of the big gates, right? I mean, the big gates are such a big deal. I don't know why I love those big gates so much, but I do. And the opportunity to ride through them is huge. And then to turn the corner and see the brontosauruses for the first time, which is the first dinosaur that they see in the film, right? And the the astonishment that you can feel as the John Williams music swells and the di- the dinosaur lifts its head and uh, lets out a... Oh, that was very good. <laughs> and it's, thank you. And then the baby, like, squirts you because it's a water ride. It's so cute. <laughs> uh, for, the, for the record, buddy, uh, they are ultrasaurs, not... Oh, those are ultrasaurs. Yes. My, my apologies. But anyways, you know, it's a very similar uh, sort of a moment. It's that moment that you're supposed to be like, oh, this is just like the movie. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think the, the difference is that it quickly goes from being just like the movie to being something that was on the fringe of the movie, something that was mentioned. Uh, so in, in the early um, stages of development, some art was provided to the filmmakers so that in the presentation room while they're eating their uh their lunch and discussing how the park is a bad idea um you see a concept art of the river adventure and it's like the exact raft it's perfect it's really good concept art i will add a uh a link to it in the show notes that we uh, put out but it's so cool to see that this art then gets translated to a thing you can go do. It was like, oh yeah, this was planned. This was going to be in the park. It might have already been built. You might have been able to ride it if the park were real. And now here you are in it. So it's like, it, it makes a lot of really interesting moves in that way. So you see dinosaurs that you don't see in the movie, uh, like the Hadrosaur, which is just not a movie dinosaur. Um, right. She's she's not in there. And, she pops out of the water uh, and sprays water at you because, again, it is a water ride. It's a, it's a water ride. <laughs> um, so there there are parts about it that are unique, right? It's this like idea that the river adventure would have been this long cruise through very calm waters where you would have spied dinosaurs kind of between rock formations and coming through vegetation. Like it, it feels very lived in and real. It tells its own side of the story. Uh, and it's this big thing that makes you think wow there's so much more to Jurassic Park than I thought uh what else is there and that's that's the beauty of transmedia is that it uh invites you to dive in some more to your favorite properties uh kind of imagine like uh the Harry Potter franchise and Pottermore which I think is an excellent uh example of transmedia storytelling it's like uh hey you want some more details because we have them and here they all we are. We can't fit There's them all more. on screen or we can't fit in all of them in the book. We can't fit, fit them all on screen. Uh, so read the read the tie in novel novellas, uh, Quidditch Through the Ages and Fantastic Beasts Somewhere to Find Them. Tales and of Beetle also the Bard. Tales of Beetle, Beetle the Bard and uh, visit Pottermore.com. Get sorted. Get more... You can get you a, a wand. You can get sorted into your Ilvermorny houses. Like, it, yeah, you you become part of the story then. Yeah, and then as well, you can go visit the theme park with all of armed with all of that knowledge. And each experience is enhanced for, for it existing that way. They don't all tell the same story. They add information and bits and allude to things on the edges of each other's stories so that the whole thing becomes more cohesive. Um, and I think Jurassic Park the Ride does this in spades. Um, down to the uh, details on the rafts, which have a first aid kit and a flashlight uh, worked into the theming on them. Like, you're like, oh yeah, this could be like a real kind of wildernessy raft that we could be in. Um, it, it all feels like they were thinking things through. And then there's this uh, part at the end. You know, Alice, before we keep talking about this, <laughs> we should talk about the story, uh, the plot, the text of the Jurassic Park River Adventure. Sure. Just really briefly so that our audience knows exactly what we're talking about when we talk about some of these other things. Sure. So the plot of the 
ride is you get in your river raft. The, the pre-show involves a safety video on how to, you know, uh, deal with dinosaurs on the shores of the river that you're that you're about to raft down. Uh, how to stay safe in, in in your boat. It is narrated, but the safety video stars and is narrated by uh, Richard Attenborough or uh, John John Hammond himself is welcoming you to the park. You get on your boat. You go down the river. It the big doors open and you said welcome to Jurassic Park you see uh, some ultrasaurs you go under a cave then you see some stegosauruses um, and then you turn a corner and there's the hadrosaur and the hadrosaur pops up and you're supposed to go into hadrosaur cove right in front of you you see the entrance hadrosaur cove you've been in stegosaur springs now you're going to hadrosaur cove uh, but instead your uh, your boat gets knocked off course. Uh, some sometimes see, and this is the thing is that I think there's supposed to be a boat blocking the way into Hatchersor Cove, uh, but sometimes the boat's not there. And this come this is this is part of um, what we were talking about. Maybe the ride needs a little refurbishing and on certain bits that don't necessarily uh, certain animatronics or. Um, or mechanical effects that just don't work all the time. Uh, but you don't go into Hadrosaur Cove. Instead, you go in through an open gate into the like backstage area of Jurassic Park, and there's all this machinery and equipment and uh, extra boats and bags of food and stuff like that. And there, to your right, you see the Velociraptor enclosure uh, where the electric fence has been busted open and it's sparking and you're like, oh no, the velociraptors are loose. Now we're in the plot of Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh no, now we're in the plot. <laughs> uh, so then, you know, if you're a fan of the film, then you recognize that the velociraptors are loose. Uh, you start hearing radio transmissions from uh, from park employees saying, you know, the, the, this dinosaur is loose, that one's loose, the T-Rex the is gone. Uh, the park is in disarray. Everybody, you know, people are screaming. Uh, we got to go. We're going to evacuate everyone from the level platform ahead. And you go up, 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 up. I made, I need to stop you right there, Alice, because the level platform ahead is one of the greatest things ever added to any theme park ride ever. <laughs> because... I don't know what it means, but it makes a lot of sense. It feels very comforting. I think it's like a, it's supposed to be like a, you go up to the level platform ahead, like uh, you're going to get airlifted out, like a helicopter is going to come save you kind of thing. Oh, I see. I, I always thought that it was... Okay, so so there's a cool thing about that hill as you're being lifted up, right? The, the guy comes over the radio. He's like, we're going we're gonna to get you up here and we're going to evacuate you on the level platform ahead. And there's a pretty great... Uh, and meanwhile, raptors are... Popping uh, out at you. Dropping down from the sea. Very, very, very exciting. Cool. Inches from your face. Um, just inches from your astonished face. <laughs> and uh, and there's a mural, a, a large painting of what seems to be the rest of the tunnel. Oh, it's super cool looking. Did you, yeah, and you're like, oh, cool, we're going to keep going up into that. So I always thought that might end at the level platform, but then something changed and, and you don't end up You do on a that. small drop into a... a, a machinery filled room the tons of steam pipes and loud alarms and flashing lights and the t-rex head right above you trying to bite down through the pipes at you really impressive really, animatronic really there cool. that is huge and lifelike and has a tongue that like which wags is really cool. like it's I, trying to trying yeah. to to get at you very cool yeah. so then you so then you know all the alarms are going off and the steam pipes are breaking and there's all this steam everywhere and, and then you hear the voice saying life support systems will terminate in 10 seconds and then there's a countdown 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 1 and then all of a sudden a giant t-rex appears directly in front of you not just the head of a t-rex an entire t-rex emerges from a waterfall in front of you yes yes it is so and cool. roars at you and then you go on an 84 foot drop very very steep drop and into the waiting lagoon below where there's where you get soaking wet pretty much every every seat no one is safe um and that's it. That's the end. You 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 do a huge drop, and then 
the ride, the ride ends. just ends. There's no there's no epilogue except there is a fun Easter egg that the the can of Barbasol yes. that had the embryos in it is in the river. It's, it's um, floating in the river next to the boat, like right before you get off, which is which is a fun nod to the film as well. And it, it really does kind of connect the whole thing. Uh, hey, Alice, I got to I got to stop you right there because I got a question about the line um, that the life support systems will terminate lines specifically. Uh, do you mind if we um, if we have an aside you, for a second? Do you want to step into my office? Yeah. Can, can for we like do a that? second? Just for a second. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Uh, just here. Hold on. Uh, OK. Uh, what's your question? Alice, what do you think life support systems will terminate <laughs> means? You know what? I don't know. That's a line I expect to hear on a space ride. Um, but we're presumably still on Earth. Um, and I, I always kind of took it as the uh, that that amino acid that the dinosaurs can't produce on their own. Um, from the movie, there's this thing. It's the I, I forget the name of the the thing, but without it, they will die. And they engineered it so the dinosaurs can't produce it on their oh, own. But life uh, um, finds a way. Finds a way, right? So it, you know, they get past that. Um, it's the lysine contingency. Thank you, I got it. <laughs> um, and so that's if they, if they ever escape, that they would die. Um, I always took it as that, like. The dinosaurs will all die in Oh my tents. gosh. I never <laughs> thought about that. Which seemed seemed like a lot to me. Like I how did they get that down to a countdown? Does that mean the T-Rex is dying it's, like on it's top giving of you? you it's dying <laughs> scream as you as you plunge as you escape. to your escape. I don't know. <laughs> Why I I you know what? Because it's, always... it's been a really long time since I've seen the Jurassic Park movie. I don't remember oh. that. The what did you call it? Lysine. The lysine contingency. Contingency. Uh, I, I I barely remember that, and I mostly remember Jeff Goldblum. Um, yeah. And Laura Dern because <laughs> she's the best. Right. Um. That's interesting, and that's a, a weird thing to think about. Is that something they did in the film? Did they kill all the dinosaurs? Did you uh, see Jurassic Park three? No. Um. <laughs> No, I think I think um, the the Australian guy is like we could always enact the Lysine contingency. And, Very good. Thank you. And uh, Richard Attenborough is like, oh, I I I won't do that. I'm too British. Uh, <laughs> also very good. Thank you. Spot on Attenborough. And uh, so they like they they rule it out like absolutely not. They're not going to enact the contingency. But then like everybody else in in the park dies. So like I think the assumption is all of the dinosaurs will die. Um, but it's like a fail Like Exactly. Right. So if nobody's there to maintain the dinosaurs, all the dinosaurs die. Um but the the whole tagline of uh, Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World, is something has survived because some of the dinosaurs did get off the island um, and some of them did survive the the Lysine contingency. So I always took it as uh, it, it wasn't going to work anyways <laughs> um, because life finds a way. Life uh, finds a way. Right, and they had they had dinosaurs that were breeding, so you know you never know. Uh, so that that was that was just my pet theory on on what life support failure means. That's interesting. <laughs> I never thought about it. I, I I just assumed that it meant for us, and that we had to get the heck out of there. Oh, that they would stop supporting our lives. That's what I. How are they doing? I don't know. I never thought about it. I was a child. <laughs> I just went, oh, no, we got to get out of here. Life support systems are going to be terminated. I guess because, yeah, in, like I said, in my head, that's a thing that they say in, like, space movies. <laughs> so, Alice, to, to kind of bring it back to what it is we are supposed to be talking about, <laughs> uh, the, the plot of this ride is um, not very original. No. It's not. not very not very original at all, I would say. In fact, uh, it, I would say that it's got at least three rides just like it at Universal Studios or <laughs> um, or at least used to have at least three rides just like it um, 
in Universal Studios. Right. Uh, it's it's very concept alone is a pretty um, it's a uh, it's a it's a pretty significant trope I think in, in theme park rides. The idea of here is a ride. Oh no, something's gone wrong. Yeah, something's gone wrong. Is I could write a dissertation on something's gone wrong. <laughs> um, something's gone wrong is a is a very common trope, right? It's here we go on this thing that's supposed to go normally. Oh no, it's gone wrong, and it happens every time. Like the characters in pre-show are always talking about how this is normal and everything's going fine until something goes wrong. And it's like one thing, right? That makes the whole thing spiral out of control. Right. Usually catastrophic thing, but it it starts the plot. It's the inciting incident. I can think um, that the Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey does it and the Simpsons ride does it. And Right. Everything is fine on the Simpsons ride until Bob is like, aha, I've taken over the Simpsons ride um, right. and something is about to go wrong. Uh, and then Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. Oh, we're just uh, going to take you on a cute little tour through Hogwarts. Oh, no, it's a dragon. <laughs> something's gone wrong. Um, <laughs> my favorite example at Universal Studios is the now defunct uh, Terminator 2, the <sighs> movie, the ride. I was just that was the very next example I was going. To it's bring my up. favorite it's because so it's been so so long being normal uh the the cyberdyne institute uh like shareholders meeting that you're attending or whatever uh is is normal for about 15 minutes alice it's like oh hi i'm a normal lady doing normal things oh hey here's this normal presentation here's a video that's really normal everything's normal here at cyberdyne and it spends what's great about it is that it spends all of that time welcoming you into the universe of Terminator 2. And that um, that experience was so so good because it it also did uh it it, it branched it, it came so like in your face there's it's not just screens here are actors running through the, here are uh you know all of these like really cool effects and yeah it, it's super immersive and but it it, it Oh, man, I miss that. I miss it so much. I don't it's even a, know what really else to say. It was super show good. The ride. It, Universal um, does a really good job with immersion. Like here you are. Yeah. It, it, the Simpsons rides the same thing. You're waiting in line to ride a really cool new roller coaster uh, at 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 Krusty Land at the at the theme park. And while you're in line, you're seeing you know maps of Krusty Land and and ads for other attractions in in Krusty Land and. Uh, and you don't realize that something's gone wrong until you're about to board the you're like just about to board the car and right and, and even Bob then things things only slightly have have gone wrong um yeah until until bob shows up uh and and that's that's a strength i think uh it's it's a strong way to tell a theme park story uh it to say like uh be become invested in this normal universe where where things are fantastic they are beyond your everyday but things are going to be safe and limited and everything's going to go according to someone else's plan so it's cool because it uh implies an experience right yeah um it implies a tour or a ride or something and then it implies that the ride that you're on is unique. Uh, is more extreme than intended. Yeah, it's it's unique. Um, so it it really has a cool welcoming effect for the audience. Um, Disney doesn't do this very much. Uh, I would say that almost none of the rides have something go wrong. Star Tours. Uh, Star Tours is going exactly according to plan. <laughs> Remember, Captain Rex is lying to oh, you. Oh, yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> uh, the, go listen the, to our backup. The jungle, the jungle Cruise is not going wrong. Um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is going that wrong. That one is or the Temple of definitely going it wrong. It is going wrong. You are uh, not supposed to go that way. And yeah, and, and you're like, oh, we're here on a really great expedition. To, yeah, solid. yeah, it's already a little dangerous seeming. But, but you look into the eye of the wrong. idol, and then things go wrong. 
it does go very wrong. So, it, you know, but it's a rare occurrence. I don't think Pirates of the Caribbean is going wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, Haunted Mansion is not going wrong. Oh, um, Splash Mountain. Is remember how I said before that Indiana Jones, the, the Indiana Jones equivalent in um, in Walt Disney World is the dinosaur ride. That right. one is going wrong. That one definitely that, that one, one definitely go wrong. goes wrong. You've got a rogue scientist. You're just supposed to like, oh, go oh, we've just we've got this time machine technology. You can go back and see some some dinosaurs. And then a rogue scientist is like, and while you're there, bring back a specimen. Um, and then he's like, I'll tell you how to do it and I'll program your car and it'll be awesome. And then the boss is like, What are you doing? And he's like, Nothing. And and that's, <laughs> you know, some, something's gone wrong yeah because something has you're you're in this yeah this like immersive space you're in what looks like a museum and and the lady is telling you about this totally normal journey you're about to have and then something goes wrong (laughs) and i think it's i think it's effective because uh audiences are savvy and they're like ooh woo ride time and first time riders um might not have the buy-in right away they might not they might be like oh yeah i'm sure this will be like very fun and if if everybody is saying how normal it is uh that changes their expectations they'll be like oh wow this will be a very normal trip through gringotts um which i'm sure will be very very fascinating we can look at some stacks of money and then when something goes wrong it provides a little bit of a thrill. Um, it suspends more disbelief. It, it scoops out a big piece of disbelief and is like, nope, something's gone wrong and this is special and dangerous, uh, which I think is a great thing for an experiential ride, right? Uh, versus a movie where things go wrong for our characters all the time, but we know it's a story that will end a certain way. Uh in a ride, it's us that things are going wrong for, so we feel that more strongly. Right. Uh, what other tropes uh, do you think that the Jurassic Park, the ride, the experience? Um, what other? What other? Do you have other tropes that it falls into? Uh, there are there are a few. Um, I would say that the the presence of a drop uh, as the climax of the ride is a pretty big trope. Um, and we may talk about this on a, on another episode. Um, but having that there and, um, kind of syncing up the end of the ride to that is like a, a bit a of a trope. Finale, like um, a crash finale. Yeah. It's a big, a big finale that ends in a, uh, a little victory lap. Yeah. I mean, uh, it happens, it happens all the time in, um, in drop rides and rides that have drops. Yeah. Um, that could probably be so its that's, own that's a biggie. Um, I would say a big thing about Jurassic Park, the ride that I dislike that is unfortunately a trope is uh, unavoidable water effects. Um, <laughs> and and I, I mean this I mean this wholeheartedly. I think they remove you from the immersion of the ride. There's uh, yes, there's a thing in um, Jurassic Park, the ride that is pretty good as far as unavoidable water effects, which is the the spitting dinosaurs. Um, I was going to say those that that's the weak one. For oh, because me. they're because they spit out warm water, Alice. It's disgusting. Uh, I think I think those work because at least they're in universe and at least dinosaurs spitting is a thing from the movie. That's uh, okay. You're right. That's so, true. I was so, going to say having them spit right at you, like "haha, we got you," is is a little like, "oh, guess what? You're on a ride." Like, well, they would they would try to if they were if they were actually dinosaurs. That's true. If they were spitting acid or whatever at you, like they do in the movie. You're right. Yeah. No, you're right. Absolutely. So so that's one. Um, I, I really dislike. So in the cave, there are, are water drips that you can't get around because you're sandwiched <laughs> between other people. Uh, and things like that on water rides are uh, really, really common. Um, I, even just like river rapid rides, like like oh, the like, Grizzly River Run, where there's like dripping pipes, um, or like a, like the geyser that 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 goes off and shuts off like right before you get there. The uh, the the Riz, Grizzly River Rapids does that, and so does um, Jurassic Bigfoot Park. Rapids. There's a and Bigfoot Rapids. Jurassic Park does it too. There's like a big geyser goes off. Of yeah. water so it's like, like oh no missing. you're gonna get drenched it's, but it <sighs> then it just mists in the air so you just get like a little wet you get uncomfortable um that's a little a, a little annoying yeah it's like how dare they why um <laughs> 
Like, I'm gonna get wet at the end, just let me get wet at the end. Um, so those those tropes are design tropes, they're not really storytelling tropes. Um, and because the, the, the ride itself is only about five minutes long, there isn't a lot of time to tell a story. Um, but I think, I think using a drop as an escape, uh, and a climax in this finale, um, is a pretty huge trope that Alice, I think we should set aside for another time. I agree. Well, Alice, it sounds like our time talking about Jurassic Park River Adventure or Jurassic Park The Ride has come to an end. But before we go, we wanted to ask you, the listeners, for some uh, for some input, for some participation. Uh, we love hearing from you. and We love uh, how many wonderful Twitter interactions we get. Uh, but we want to hear your voices on this podcast. Uh, if you want to be a part of the podcast, or if you have a ride idea you want to pitch or an episode idea you want to hear, uh, send us a, an email or a voicemail. Um, you can uh, record yourself talking on an MP3 and send it to uh, to buddy's e- to buddy or to me. Uh, buddy's email address is uh, buddy.duquesne at gmail.com. And I'm uh, Alice White podcast at gmail.com. Uh, email us with any ideas or submissions you might have. We want to hear from you. We want to yeah. I- involve you in uh, in the process. Yeah, we would be we would be so excited to have kind of a weekly segment where we uh, had at least one listener call in and be like, hey, buddy and Alice, I got this great ride idea. I was thinking about it over the weekend. Uh, here's what it is. Um, we will take recordings of any quality uh, but do do try to keep them at a reasonable length. We do we do want to be economical with our time. Yeah, and, and we but we you know we want to hear from you. Even if you don't want to send your voice, drop us an email or find us on Twitter. I am at Alice White THP for those happy places. And I'm at Buddy underscore Duquesne. Remember, guys, Duquesne is spelled D U Q U E S N E. And if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash those happy places where we're always uh, having conversations about about theme parks and rides and attractions. Come join the come join the fun. Yeah. And uh, Alice, did you know that our listeners can also find us on YouTube? That's right. Uh, our YouTube channel is great. It has all of the episodes that we've recorded so far, and I've arranged them in a playlist for you. So Ooh. you can start on episode one and listen all the way through without clicking play a second time. Uh, so just good. search for us on YouTube, Those Happy Places. We are the first result every time. Alice, did you know that if our listeners are listening to us right now, that they're hearing our theme music? Is our theme music Golden Gate by the California Feet Warmers featuring Phil Alvin? It is. And did you know that you could find the Feet Warmers on their website, www.californiafeetwarmers.com? Uh, I did know that, but I'm, I hope that our listeners do too. Go check them out. They're awesome. Alice, did you know that there was additional music in this episode? <gasps> Did you put additional music in this episode? I'm sure it's great. I added it, and it was all done by Poddington Bear, who made all of his work available on the Free Music Archive. You can check that out at freemusicarchive.org. Well, I think that's all for us tonight. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you again, and we hope you return to those happy places. 